You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Path Podcast. Uh, I'm joined here with uh, Tani and Ak, as usual. We are broadcasting uh, again, as we somewhat frequently do, from my living room. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's a nice spot. <laughs> nice to have you guys. <laughs> Uh, we had a we had a pretty cool ride this uh, this evening, followed by a, a dip in the pool. I think that's a good uh, good add to the tradition. Riding, then jump in the pool. Ock and I hit some gaps we hadn't hit before. That's the truth. We're Sweet. both stoked up. Yep. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's uh, down here in Southern California. We're starting to creep into a little bit of summer weather, so it's starting to get a little warmer, and uh, might be some more dips in the pool after riding. In the near future, here slowly adding components to the to the experience of podcasting, the ritual, the ritual. Nice, yeah. <laughs> um, if uh, if any of you have actually started listening to the uh, Tim Ferriss podcast, uh, he often talks about morning rituals, and a lot of his guests, including himself, have a pretty lengthy one. I, I don't think we're going to quite get to that long, but we we might. <laughs> but we do recommend, or I do recommend sardines per the Tim Ferriss podcast. Ah, that's right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was my sardines. <laughs> I was listening to one recently, and yeah, he was talking about eating a lot of sardines. Him and all his buddies. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that jump. I, I think I remember when we were uh, recording from Tani's place one time. We we were and Tani and I were enjoying uh, some sardines, and Nathan I think passed on that. I I I do. I'm not. I'm not a, a f- taste. If yeah. we get you far enough out into the Santa Anas, and all you have is trail food, and I pull out some sardines, they might sound good. Th- this is quite possible. This this is quite possible. Although I was on a very long hike years ago, and one guy pulled out some salmon, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I think it just depends how long it's been, how many calories your body has burned since you last had anything other than trail food. What if I brought like a plastic spork? Would you would you eat it then? Is it is it the, with the plastic spork? Yeah, is it is it or part eat of the gra- plastic spork? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Kelly Steelman eats them with crackers and mustard. Okay, that, that might not be yeah, too bad. I, I yeah. may have to try it in a more controlled environment as opposed to I'm starving, I need food to sustain <laughs> A controlled it. environment, like yeah. a classroom. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we, napkins <laughs> on a plate yeah, with we, some crackers. So the beauty of the sardines is apparently they're low on the food chain, so they don't get a lot of the you know contamination buildup. And right. the skeleton is inside the fish still, so you get you know the collagen and the bone material and the – it's oh, good so you, you, you get a lot of micronutrients. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like the micronutrients. Buzzword. <laughs> so you eat the whole thing whole, like everything, right? The head is missing, and it's got its scales. It's descaled. Detailed? Detailed? Descaled? No, you, I think, I think it, yeah, they it, might have cut the tail off. I think off, they cut the tail off. Okay. Do but they you, kind of li- lightly smoked in olive oil. Lightly smoked. Okay. So they I are really cooked. like it with salad. Like a, a nice salad, and then I have some sardines and avocado and cheese on the side. Now, are sardines and anchovies very closely related? I don't know. They're both small fish. This is true. Because Usually anchovies are served in a much saltier pre- preparation and like filleted. Okay. And like deboned, I think. Well, see, in my generation, which was the like kid ninja movies, including the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it was always anchovies. I think were set up as a very negative thing for my generation growing well, up was, in the nineties. It was anchovies <laughs> and sardines were the worst thing that could happen to you. I believe so. That was kind of the storyline. It, it was. I think I'm not sure. In my mind's eye, anchovies have a um, slightly fishier 
and and saltier for sure they do uh, bite to them so the sardines might be a good way to start into this this genre of food for you nathan okay crackers work your way up to pickled herring yeah (laughs) and the crackers i think crackers and some like goat cheese would it goes well too you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into the dark movie vault, but there I remember there was a scene in the movie The Burbs with uh, Tom Hanks, and they're like hanging out with the uh, um, the really weird family that lives on the block, and the one kid comes out and he's they're like having them over as house guests, and he comes up and he's like sardine, and he <laughs> offers up a sardine on a cracker, and I think Tom Hanks takes a bite and like can't quite choke it down. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. The Burbs is one of my oddly favorite movies out there <laughs> wow sorry deep We're, into the movie vault. that's true should we uh get back into the world of bikes <laughs> talk about some sure. bikes. <laughs> yeah that sounds good <laughs> well you know did you guys see the new hats we got in at the shop and the new t-shirts they are cool I did. We stopped using, we've been using American Apparel forever and we now we're doing next level t-shirts and I think they're great lots of new colors and, and um, lots of new hat colors too so we thought this would be a good time to do a podcast promo on Path logo merchandise. So come into the shop in the month of June, mention the podcast and say you want to take us up on the Path logo merchandise special, and we will give you 25% off one Path logo item. So you can get a jersey, a t-shirt, a hat, socks, anything with our logo on it, one item for 25% off if you mention the podcast. So I walked into the the path the other day, and and one of the I think it was Kim was saying, "Hey, Ock, we got these, um, we got some some new shirts and new T-shirts in, and I think she says, and and Tani even got some of the retro colors, like the green and maybe the orange. No orange. We got we got army green. Yep, yep. We got warm gray. We got." I think it's called Tahiti blue, which is like a real light, bright blue. Uh, right. Right. Almost like a nomad. Um, with the old logo, with the, uh, with the original. Yeah. The love the bike you yeah, ride, the round love. logo. With right. the, the circle with the chain ring, the one that yep, yep. on. I'm actually wearing it right now. Nice. That's the one. Yeah. And, and the thing about this is this is the retro t-shirt. Yep. (laughs) Ox wearing a beefy tee from before the days of what I would call hipster t-shirts. Yep, that's true. And um, the key to keeping them looking new is is not to dry them. And back then you had to wash and dry them about 100 times to get them into the sweet spot. But I'm, you know, I actually sort of like the scratchy feel of the old beefy tees. You were saying that the other day. (laughs) I got some scratchy old jerseys you might like too. So yeah, so come on into the into the shop and mention the Path Podcast, and you can get one item, uh, Path logo item, at twenty five percent off. That's awesome. I might take you up on that. Yeah, and, and the trail jerseys are real nice. I think you might have mentioned this, but the the Pearl Izumi trail jerseys. Oh, uh, we were super all wearing high. them today. Very yeah. lightweight, very oh, soft, yeah. almost super fake soft, even. Yeah, yeah that very breathable. They don't they don't then develop a stink. A lot of my jerseys. After a couple of rides, they have that kind of perma stink where everything seems fine until you break a sweat and all of a sudden it's like you've been, it smells like you've been sweating in it for six hours. Yeah. Perma funk. You wash it, you dry it. It's like, oh, all right, this is clean. You put it on, you're like, who stinks? <laughs> oh, it's me. And this thing smelled fine when I took yeah. it out of the dryer and you wash it in lemon juice and tomato juice and have a skunk spray. It and... Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so those jerseys are awesome. Those are the those are the kind of the new the Nautro um, uh, Argyle. Yeah, the we so we have the retro Argyle jersey design in that. And we also have the new for sale, and we also have the new factory jersey for sale, the yellow jersey. Right, and um, some other fun new arrivals in the shop today. We got a our first Uzi frame in today because we're excited about Ooh. about Summit and Big Bear. It's like an anno purple looking color. It looks really good. Oh, and we sweet. got some M six some intense M sixteen carbons in today too. Oh boy. Yeah. I've kind of got a hankering for a downhill bike. I haven't had one in a year or two. <laughs> yeah. Does that Uzi have a 15 and a half, 15 and a half inch bottom bracket? <laughs> <laughs> Doubtful. <laughs> so yeah. downhill. So what, what inspires the downhill? Well, we went to Big Bear and we had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah, we, we did. So, yeah, to fill in the listeners, this uh, Snow Summit had opening weekend um, this last Memorial Day weekend. They opened on Friday, but we went on Saturday. And uh, actually, shout out to the listener who saw. So, Ock had his path jersey on with his name on the back of the jersey. And we had a listener uh, hit us up on the trail and goes, Hey, are you Ock? And Ock's like, Yes. Yes, may I help and he's you? He's like, Oh, hey, I listened to the podcast. And all of a sudden, we're like, Oh, hey, hi. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's kind of cool. We we're coming off of, I think it was Party Wave. Yeah. Uh, and guy, guy shouts out to me. And, and I asked, and I'm like, Yes. And then I realized, Oh, I'm wearing my, my jersey that says Ock on the back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, I, I listened to your podcast. I was like, Oh, I'm stoked. Awesome. And I said, Hey, there's the, um, the other two hosts are here. And he's like, really? So he cruises down and, uh, he actually snapped a thanks for taking a, a picture of, of the three of us together. Yeah. And for, for the listeners who have not ridden summit, I recommend it. Even if you don't fancy yourself a gravity rider, it's a really fun day. It's beautiful up there. There are trails that you can ride if you're careful and go around the obstacles. If you're not ready for anything, you're not ready for it. You can go around. Yeah. And I think you owe it to yourself to one day ride downhill without, with completely fresh legs. Yeah. It's a different experience. Yeah. It's a subtly different experience. Yes. And this was a, a, a gorgeous day in, in, at the summit. The trails are are in great condition. A lot of good work's been going on there. Yeah, I I really think that the jumps last season it seemed like they were to me they almost were getting a little out of hand. Well, they like leveled it, the lips out a little bit. Yeah, I I felt like the jumps were a lot more manageable, a lot smoother. Well, and they put more pre jumps in for those people who do want to really boost. They put yeah. like the little side side jump with the real lip. Right, it's a little bit in front of the main takeoff. I did, yeah, I did see some some double lip jumps. Um, I think that, that's a good move. That's kind of a mammoth thing. I mean, we're, uh, maybe that's Whistler a little... does that too. I think okay, it, yeah, it, and North Star does it too. I think it's just a smart thing. Yeah, it's a, I, maybe a uh, I'd call it a progressive bike park. Well, thing. think of the, think of it this way: the jumps in Big Bear. If you're really pinned and charging it, you have to scrub the crap out of them to not overshoot them. Which and, we actually saw someone almost. And <laughs> if you're really a fast rider and you're pinned, and then that gives you an option for when you're when you're at that point, you can hit the bigger pre-jump that boosts you higher and takes more of your forward momentum and throw in a backflip, <laughs> <laughs> like you do. <laughs> No-handed can-can Superman tail whip. Yeah, that was a Turned pretty out. pretty great day of riding. What was your favorite trail walk? Oh my goodness. I don't know. So you have the groomed trails, which was Party Wave and and Miracle Mile. 
and then you also have fall line, which is more of a... Um, we accidentally rode a trail that wasn't quite open yet. We yeah. found out when we went back to it. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. I think fall line was my favorite. I yeah. can't wait till they open it. Man, that was everything I remembered it to be and, and more. It but was, you could also, if it's your first time there, maybe go ride Pirates first and get the flow. Get some yeah. flow on the mountain. It's an easier trail. That's right. We, we rode that. A um, little bit flatter, a uh, little bit more pedally. Yeah, and it also links into the upper part of the Skyline Trail, which also does, it's got some pedaling to it as well when you progress on that trail part. But again, if you're if you're a beginner and you're on a trail bike and you're not ready to start getting on trails with jumps yet, it's going to take you a little longer to get down, but it's going to be much more comfortable and a lot more fun. That's true. And and even on a lot of the the Miracle Mile party wave, there's always the go go around line pretty much. Yeah, it's... There is for sure. I, I would say the one thing I would caution super beginners about going into the park is, well, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I think this is a debatable point I'm about to make, but I would say just be a little cautioned about other riders coming mm-hmm. up hot, coming up fast. And if you are a beginner rider, understand when, when and where to pull off. And it's not right in front of a jump lip or right at the, at the apex of a drop off or something like that. Yeah, have I mean everyone needs to have have awareness of their surroundings. I think it's ultimately the, the beginners should come out and enjoy themselves and be aware of their surroundings and not purposely hold anyone up and get over when it's safe to get over and let people by. Yeah. Right. And I would say part of it's kind of looking ahead a little bit and not making a split decision like I'm stopping now. Like right. look ahead, be a little bit aware of what's going on and kind of plan a couple of steps ahead. Be like, hey, I might not be able, or maybe I should check this out the first time, pull over in a safe spot, maybe walk around, check it out. Something like Another that. thing is if you tell the rider behind you that you're looking for a place to pull over, they might not attempt a dangerous pass. Yes, that is true. That is true. And some other hot tips, sign the waiver ahead of time online. I failed yep. that test. <laughs> um, that does that. Yeah. So this, the reason we say that is very specifically what that means is you can simply walk up to the ticket counter, hand them your credit card. They charge you, they hand you a ticket and you're off and running. If not, you have to go into like the special services room and fill out the sit- waiver. And I think if you cost you about a half hour to an hour, maybe you lose a run or two and generally <laughs> get a less exciting start to your day. But you can actually, if you don't, if you don't sign it ahead of time, like the night before, like Nathan did, and I actually tried to do this, but um, you can actually um, uh, use your QR scanner off your phone. Oh yeah, they have they have the sign there, and you QR scan it with your phone, then do it on your phone. And that's actually how Tani and I got got into it and, and signed it online while we were at 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 the park. I think that actually did save us some time. From I think we got an extra run in. I think we might have, yeah. rather than standing in the thanks, line off to the side. My for, pleasure. Thanks for making that happen. My <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> so what other tips do we have for riders who haven't been to a park, a gravity park before, a lift access park before? I think Nathan did touch on something. Um, something good is that um, even though there are there are go rounds to all the big features, uh, like all the big jumps, there are places that have decent sized roll ins. And yeah. and there's no getting around the decent sized Rollins. It they're they're nicely groomed and there's there's adequate space um with runouts and everything like that. But But if you're like an intermediate trail rider, you can probably ride you don't have to be a downhiller. Right. And yeah. that's very true. But if you're a if you're a little bit more on the beginner side, 
uh, just realize that some of those are going to be around and those you might find spots ahead of time to scope out before you roll them. But all those, those types of features are, are easily rollable. And, um, one of the things I'm thinking about, let's say you're a typical trail rider and you want to go to a bike park for the first time. I would say don't, don't hesitate to pack way less stuff. So in, in my case with you guys, I was kind of getting ready for Trans-Provence. I'm, I packed a really heavy pack in the morning. I didn't need any of that stuff, but I was just trying to get the feel, the heavy pack and downhilling. And, uh, but in general, um, pack very light understand that they're relatively short runs if you know maybe a, enough to fix a flat would be more than enough and and a tool you can you'll you're going to be turning runs very quickly which is a little bit out of the ordinary for most mountain bikers you're not going to be away from your car in the wilderness um one water bottle small water bottle is fine because there's places to get water at the top and the bottom of every run i was uh, riding with no water no gear yeah you the dice yeah, you had phone in your pocket, and that was about it. Yep. Um, Actually, I left my phone in the car too. I, nice. had, I had my wallet. Nice. And my lift pass. Um, I, I actually rode with a with an endure endure bra pack, and I felt kind of out of place. <laughs> it's not a bad idea to bring a full face helmet. It's not a bad idea yeah. to bring goggles, knee pads, maybe elbow pads. Yeah, maybe would, a Liat brace. Goggles. I was gonna say maybe. Let's say someone for the first time is going, I would say like my personal order of, let's say you have a normal trail bike, you're used to riding trail. Okay, you're going to gear down a little bit as far as your pack and what you're going to carry. I would say order of importance, knee pads first, Mm -hmm. maybe full face second. If you have like real cross country tires, you got to get those off. Ah, I mean, EXO tires are, are cross country up there. That's true. You blew out an EXO tire, I punched, right? I punched about an eighth-inch hole in the trick casing of my EXO tire on my last run. That wouldn't seal. So for bike seal. setup, heavier tires is is a nice thing to have up there. Adds you, a lot of confidence and saves your rims. But you could you could run EXO tires, I mean, if you have those. I would just say, like, EXO should be considered lightweight for up there. Right. right. Yeah. Where, where for a lot of our listeners who are more tra- – the listeners who are more kind of XE trail-oriented, they may consider those heavy tires. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah, that's very true. You have to true. reorient your world. That's yeah. very true. EXO and is about if, as light as you want to be running. If you've thought about running flat pedals, it's a great place to try it. Um, I run flats uh, usually when I'm in the park. Nathan and Eric clip in usually, I yep. think. Yep. Yeah. But um, if you've thought about running flats, I think it's – it's if there's, a, if there's a great place to run flats, it's anytime you're shuttling or getting a lift. Right. And, and, and the terrain at Big Bear – uh, especially on the groomed trails, the flats are going to, you know, that, that is a great place to kind of try. But I would say if you've never run flats and you're really comfortable with clips, you might have a better day if you don't try to learn flats at the that same time true. as you learn big learn big bear and learn lift riding. True. I'm, because you do, one of the things I like about flats is it forces you to maintain more of a connection with the pedals and it forces you to unweight the rear wheel properly when doing bunny hops which are good skills to be reinforced. But if you don't already have those skills riding flats, you're going to feel disconnected from the bike. You're going to feel like you're getting rattled off the pedals at speed. Yeah. But if you get a little bit of practice with the flats, you will find there's a, your feet come off the pedals more and it's nice being able to just plant them back on the pedal and not have to clip in again. And it's nice that little peace of mind knowing that you can get your foot free that much quicker. 
And jumping in flat pedals is so much easier for me. Really? Well, yeah. Yeah, I think mistakes on the takeoff um, are are exaggerated by clip-ins because mm. the bike has to move with you. I can see that. Mm. And I also think that if you kind of do lose it and do like an inadvertent no-footer, you'd way rather have flats. Which happens. I mean, you do a bunch of jumps, you're gonna see, eventually you're gonna lose it and doing it a big inverted no footer. Yeah, so. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So true, yeah, true. I mean, but to your point, if you're gonna be shuttling or being lift assisted all day long, you're gonna be getting you're, you don't have to worry about pedaling and pedal efficiency. What about why not a better time than to try flats where the biggest arguable downside is pedal efficiency? Yeah, and I don't even think there's that much of a pedal efficiency downside, but there is. I do think there is some. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're not going to see XC racers running running flat pedals. So that I mean, that's the extreme argument. And then occasionally you see downhillers running flat pedals. How rad was it that those listeners up in Big Bear brought up um, bounce, bounce, squish, squish, cut, cut? <laughs> <laughs> that made my day. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you for bringing that up. So. Um... So what do elbow pads fit in? Well, I, going back to the order, I would say for me, the order of importance would be knee pads, full face, goggles, um, maybe elbow pads. Although that's, that's one that you're going to see a lot of the expert riders foregoing for well, it's comfort not, and style. It's not the cool kid move. It's not the cool kid move. I would say it's mostly for style, although there is some comfort involved too. Yes, um, I mean, the cool kid move, I think, at this point, is no pads and a Liat brace. No pad, no pad, brace, no knee pad. Maybe, Always knee pads. Uh, I think maybe well, even no gloves. Ooh, <laughs> I would say. Well, we don't know what's under those skinny jeans. <laughs> there could be knee pads under the skinny jeans. You never know. <laughs> Where do they keep their helmet? <laughs> uh. And and just a um, a shout out to the the tapered lenses um, as opposed to the stamped lenses. Oh yeah, the injection molded lenses versus the stamped lenses on the goggles. Yeah, so I was running a um, a set of uh, injection molded gl- um, lenses, and they're, it's pretty impressive. Um, they feel like yeah, definitely clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running the Oakley Air Brakes. Yep, uh, and they have. A pretty impressive uh, peripheral top um, uh, view profile, uh, which really helps, I think, you know, with that with that upward peripheral vision. It's weird that you say that because that was what I found they were short on. Really, on the air brakes. Well, right. you're, well, it, my you're comparing helmet, them to one hundred percent, which have a big bump. Also, I'm comparing them to Oakley O frames and Oakley. Um, what's the other famous Oakley crowbars? Crowbars. I mean, crowbars are kind of my benchmark. I've I've had. Probably, I've probably worn out a dozen pairs of crowbars. Right. Um, and I would say the way that my helmet interacted with the air brake, it, pu- it pushed those goggles down for some reason. Uh, see, I was running a mountain bike full face, not a... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have that dot helmet. I have a, dot, a Troy Lee dot helmet. You know, one of the things that I noticed, actually, I was at the motocross track earlier today before before you guys came by is um, the riding position quite a bit different on moto versus mountain bike. 
as far as I think the leaned over attack position. I still think on a mountain bike, you're much more leaned forward, mm. even on gravity mountain biking. So um, I think Moto's more upright. You think? I think more. I think Moto tends to be more upright. Um, you're you're sitting a lot more coming out of corners. Um, who knows? This is totally debatable. This is just my anecdotal opinion. So sitting to me, Moto sitting is like the position of a kind. The bar saddle position is kind of like my bike with the seat lowered. Yeah, I would say I would say that. And that standing would be fair. the. The like peg handlebar position, I feel like, isn't that far from my bike, from the pedal bar position. Yes, I would agree with that. And I definitely feel like the shoulder, elbow, wrist position in turns is almost identical. And the motorcycle makes you like you can't muscle a motorcycle over, you just have to have good position. I feel like, yeah. So for me, that's one of the things I always really liked about riding dirt bikes is it makes you really get the elbow out and, and push the inside bar down and maybe counter steer a little bit. And then if you do that on the mountain bike, it's really good. Yeah. I def- well, after, so after riding moto earlier today and then riding mountain bikes with you, I think I got a little bit of the, um, I've, I don't think I've ever done both in the same day before. I think I got a little bit of the baseball donut effect. Where mm-hmm. you know, oh, interesting, like I was right. swinging a heavy right. bat, and then all of a sudden my mountain bike felt super light and flickable today. Like it was just super bouncy. I could just fling it around the trail, but it was because I was swinging the heavy bat earlier today. Wow, Man, you're kind of marathoning. Very interesting. <laughs> Podcast, bit. mountain bike ride, MX, dirt bike <laughs> at the track. Yep, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. You're, an, you're a champ. <laughs> TP training. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And our Olympic swim afterwards. Yeah, right. <laughs> we did some lamps we, in an Olympic pool. We did some swimming. <laughs> by that, I mean I floated in the community pool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, how is the Trans-Provence? When does that come in? How is that, how's oh, that wow. shaping up? So, yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, June 1, and I'm flying out on the 15th. Oh, man. So it's like two weeks. It's bona fide. I'm... This time in two weeks, I'm going to be sitting on a plane. Oh, dang. For quite a while, actually. I think Wednesday is my travel day. And uh, so I will get into France on Thursday. Um, but yeah, preps. You know, I think... So I, I'll i be honest. I wish I did a little bit more formal training, like intervals or sprint training or something like that. But as far as... Um, doing some of the over the hump racing and riding with certain groups. I'm fitness wise where I was last year, but I think my since last year's Trans Provence, my focus and my mentality about my downhilling on almost every ride I've been on has been geared towards that direction. Um, so I, I feel much better in a mental headspace about what the downhilling is going to take, um, which is the race, right? Right. Um, nutrition. I feel like I, I know what I need to do last year. I didn't really have a problem with that. Lot, lots, lots and lots of drink mix. I'm taking more than I took last year. Cause I ran out last year. Uh, the event provides stuff, but it's nice to have your own, your what own mixture, to, your right? own ratio, you know? Um, but to Tani's point, I've seen it before. Like the whole routine. Like I know what to expect. I know. Well, like every trail is easier the second time. And I know you guys aren't going to be on the same trails, but it's still 
the event has, I'm sure, has a personality and a tone, yes. and the travel and just the excitement. And you're, yeah. And, but I also yeah. feel like it's it's kind of an intangible. But I feel like, um, well, you know, the other day you were talking about how you're all about anything race right now, and even if it's faster, you might not try it unless it's proven in race because you just you're so into that lifestyle and that scene, and you want to be you're so just part of it and i think you i think you more know deep in your head that you're that guy now than you did this time last year Mm -hmm. i think there's i think think that your riding has an assertiveness that it didn't quite have like and it's subtle it's hard to even say what i mean but i think there's an assertiveness and a confidence and um kind of a um the there's a lot of little moments where I feel like your riding is making a statement that you're, that you belong there and that you know what you're doing. And so I think you're going to do good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Well, I definitely feel a little bit more prepared. Um, I do have the tires that I'm going to specifically tires was a big mental stressor last year. And and the reason was I might've mentioned this before on the show, but a lot of people showed up with EXO tires and to Tani's point, EXO tires are great trail bike, light enduro tires are not heavy duty enduro tires, they're not downhilling tires. Um, and I think most people, most people at Trans Provence, I'm going to be in a, probably a relatively small group of repeaters. Um, most of the people, it's going to be their first time, or at least that's how it kind of was last year. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people thought EXO tires would be sufficient, and there were some of the senior guys. One of the photographers was telling everybody that would listen, um, EXO, you're not going to make it on EXO tires. They're not going to make it. Now, I, I was okay. I actually, I actually did damage the EXO tires and not to the point where I ever had to change them on course, but I did change them at night at camp and bought uh, Mavic tires from the Mavic guys. Um, but the, basically the guys who seem to be in the know were running, um, Schwalbe super gravity tires or Maxis downhill tires. And so I chose to get the Schwalbe Super Gravity tires. I got the, um, and I got two sets. I'm going to go with a fresh set on the bike, un, like fresh set mounted bikes going in the travel box and going, or travel bag and, uh, and going. And I'm taking a, a spare, fresh spare set um, in my bag. So I bought four Schwalbe tires, um, Hans Domp Super Gravity rear. It's going to be the pace starts, the mid compound, and then the front is, uh, Magic Mary's Super Gravity with the softest compound, which is their Vert Star compound. Ooh. What size? Twenty-seven by two. Uh, two, three, five. Now it's funny you mentioned stress. I really feel, and I think this is a big reason why the second time is going to be easier than the first. I really feel like the most under underrated factor in success in racing is managing stress. For yeah. me, it's almost more important, and you know. Having being well trained and being tr- prepared for the race is a great way to man to to manage the stress because there's less stress knowing that you're prepared. But to me, ha- having a a kind of a stress free approach to the race often is almost more important than the training and preparation itself. Where yeah. especially with gravity, if I can't if if I'm tense and my and I, I can't sh- I can't get loose. I, it's so hard to, you know, it's so hard to have economy of motion. It's so hard to be smooth in the tough sections. It's so hard to ride how you want to ride. And so, yeah, I think the, 
I think you're going to feel less stress because it's the second time around. I think that's yeah. going to be a big factor. Anyway. Well, and there, there's there's just so much to this event and so many unknowns. I think last time that I didn't fully appreciate is like, you know, like last year I didn't know if the hotel I was going to stay at was going to be close enough to get to the airport without loading my stuff in a taxi again. French and you're the kind of person who might who might worry about that more than yeah. others even. Maybe. Yeah, I think... And that's, yeah. that can really take a lot of energy. That can break That mental capital that you spend on those types of issues and for oh, yeah. maybe like an engineer like yourself or myself, that mental capital is is life-sapping. It Well, and it, it, I think it just made a lot of the event kind of more difficult and more like kind of nerve-wracking. But like, like I said, like, figuring out where to go at the, at the airport to get picked up for the event. Like now I know we're like, Hey, when I get in this van to go say, when they pick us up at the airport and take us to camp zero, like you're like, how long are we going to be in this van? Well, you're going to be in this van for four and a half hours. Mm, like right. mentally. Okay. I'm ready for Like, I know that's coming. Like, okay, what's going to happen on day one? Where do we, you know, how's the sign up going to be? What's everybody going to be doing? What sh- what should I be doing in those those like day and a half we're gonna have at camp prior to racing starting? Um, what's the food routine in the morning gonna be like? Um, all that stuff like there's so much to this week of of racing besides just the racing. Um, what to like? I think last year I was super paranoid about rain and like so I'd pack full rain gear every morning in my pack mm. um, and. So I think I'm going to be a lot lighter on what I'm packing in my pack every day. What needs to go, you know, like I can, I feel like, okay, the French Alps, yes, they're mountains and things can happen, but it's not going to suddenly turn into a blizzard when it's a nice June day and it's 65 in the morning and looks bright and sunny and everybody's saying, hey, it's going to be a nice day today. Like I was still packing full Patagonia rain gear uh, every day in my pack. Um, What knee pads I'm going to take, you know, like, you got to carry your knee pads around all day. I'm going to take lighter weight stuff. Um, what helmet I'm going to take, uh, you know, goggles, what, what gloves. What knee pads are you going to take? Um, I'm going to take some some lightweight fox knee pads, um, kind of the enduro style ones. Um, are those, um, they have a name? Uh, Can't remember I, right now. <laughs> yeah, I think they're called the enduro launch knee pads or something like that. Um, and... Uh, so I'm going to run those knee pads, may or may not run elbow pads, haven't totally decided. I'll take them, kind of decide. Uh, maybe long sleeve jersey for sun protection, maybe not. Um, my whole glasses situation, I'm going to run a full face helmet almost all the time. This time, um, I'm not going to pack a second helmet. Um, Is it going to be a um, one that we've seen or one that we haven't seen? <laughs> I, I will take the fifth amendment on that one um, cool and uh but it's gonna have a lot of vents it's gonna have a lot of vents uh nice comfortable full face um i'm gonna take goggles this time last year i was trying to do it with different kinds of sunglasses i'm gonna definitely take a casual pair of sunglasses for the climbing stages the like, mental confidence of the goggles is gonna be huge yeah i feel like when i put goggles on i'm a different person <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so packing those, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of what else, some of the little specifics. Oh, I'm, you know, long-term grip. I think I've been trying the different ergon grips, the, the thin ones, the, the thick ones. Um, 
I'm definitely going to run the thinnest gloves I can because thick, thicker palmed gloves were really gave me a problem last time. I had like one pair of thin palm gloves um, and I just wore those a whole week. I'm a big advocate of thin palm, one piece leather, as tight as you can stand without being uncomfortable gloves. Yep, that's exactly the way I'm going. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I might actually, I, <laughs> this is the one thing, I may go back to my old school choice of the ODI Ruffian grip, just because that's such was my go-to jam hmm, for such a long time. So there's a new version of that grip that has one clamp. I, I saw Super that. Super sweet. I was considering going to that. I highly recommend it. I, I want to try that. I might grab a set and run it at Big Bear one more time before the event. To me, the Ruffian is the my current benchmark grip, like the high roller tire right. or the mm-hmm. Pike Fork. It's like, I know this works. I know I like it. Yeah. I, I might try other stuff and like it, but I know I like this. I know last year I ran the Ergon GE1 Slim grip, and I felt like my hand was starting to get a little beat up on it. Like it just didn't have enough padding, and I can't... Even though the Ruffian's still a thin grip, I can't say that I'm like, I got that with those. So I don't know. I still haven't figured out my grip situation. I'm still a little picky about that. But like this year versus last year, last year I ran uh, Shimano XT brakes with 180 rotors front and rear. This year, Saint brakes with a 203 front rotor and a 180 rear. The branding on those Ergons is kind of XC. You probably are just like more confident and free with the rough <laughs> with like some real gravity grips yeah <laughs> it's probably the marketing that's making it more marketing yeah. in the name <laughs> um last year i ran 760 bars with a 60 millimeter stem this year i'm running 780 bars with a 50 millimeter stem and a longer reach frame and a longer reach uh no same reach because i reach. ran the 153 last year but it, so this year i'm running the transition carbon patrol a little uh, slacker Oh, no, not slacker. because Degree and a half the, slacker head angle. But did you have the... Um, I did not run the angle set last oh, year. Oh, interesting. I got it before the race, and I was too scared to put it on before the right. race. Um, oh, I ran regular clipless pedals last year, like XC-style clipless pedals, thinking, hey, there's going to be a ton of pedaling on this. I made sure I got the trail pedals, and specifically for slapping back in after a foot-out corner if I have to. Do you feel like it works? I feel like I can slap back into those pedals quicker and easier. Hmm. Little little bit quicker and easier than a, a typical like XC style right? no cage pedal. Um trying to think of what else I've uh been Is anyone on. running flats out there did you know last year? Some a couple of guys. No, so here's the funny part. And I'm not sure if I didn't pull everybody, but you could see the guys that ran flats at Transprovence last year. At camp, your knee pads would be off, and anything below the knee pad line looked like Freddy Krueger. Oh, man. And so they had been getting bounced bounced off. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's a comment on their skill level with flats or what, but I still remember seeing that going, my God, those guys' legs are beat. And then I was like, oh, those are the flats guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, maybe multiple days, that multiple days of of long downhilling. Yeah. Um, a well, I'm taking a well broken in pair of Terraduro Giro shoes. Um, comfortable with those for hiking and everything. Right, lots of hiking. Vibram soles. Vibram soles. Yep. Um, actually, I think my Vibram soles might be a little tattered. I might throw a little glue on them, but I'm not changing those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I might take an extra pair of shoes this year because I have this just paranoia about like breaking a strap on a shoe or something, having like duct tape your foot in a shoe. So actually, I want cutters. What's that? Uh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, breaking away. Yeah, that's right. Or breaking away. That's right. Um, they were the cutters, though. They were, right? they were the cutters. cutters right? Yeah. Stone cutters. Um, yep. Um, anyway, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Bars are higher. Levers are at a higher angle than last year for this super steep terrain. 170 fork. 170. Oh, and I have this little adapter kit that I got for the 36 to make sure I can quick release the axle out. It looks pretty cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tawny disagrees. <laughs> I think it looks cool because I know the function of it, and and that's cool. <laughs> but, that's cool. That's cool, man. <laughs> I but you so, like the you like the clean look of the. Uh, I was uh, so so for the listeners that don't know Nathan, basic if if people remember like. Old Fox 36s that had the two quick release flaps in yep. the front of the dropouts. Yep. <laughs> Nathan has brought that. Nathan got aftermarket flaps. <laughs> those, those were the bane. Okay, so part of my distaste for those has to do with how often customers would wear them out, strip them out, round them out, lose them, and then we'd have to order them, and it's like. <clears throat> Oh, that's the newer one with the eight mil bolt. No, you got me. The, I needed the one with the six mil bolt. And it took a whole week for, to get it from Fox. And <laughs> I hate you. I'm never coming here again. It's <laughs> oh, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and I found some little guy in Colorado that machines them and you have to like, buy them direct. Because and... <laughs> I want to run the 36, but the thing about a week's worth of racing, if you can, if you flat out and you can change a flat, it's a war of attrition. That's Don't true. give up. That's true. Change that flat as quick as you can. Oh, and I will have a flat kit strapped to my bike for fast flat changes. I noticed that as a big bear. That was solid. And I know in Nice, France, where to go to get CO2s when I fly in there because I can't fly with CO2s. Oh, right. So one of my my half days in, in Nice, I know where to go to, get to find CO2. CO2s. <laughs> yeah, I might start doing that, strapping uh, some... Like one of those little strap-on flat repair kits, free up some room in my hip sack. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might even keep, might even make it able to, that you don't need one of those. Yeah, on on many a ride. Yeah. So it's that was nice. in addition. So Nathan had his flat kit strapped to his frame in addition to his big Enduro pack. Uh, yeah. So the reason I ran that this weekend was to make sure that whole flat kit stayed pretty secure yeah. with gravity riding. I think it did well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's that, um, backcountry research strap. They call them the awesome straps. Mm. They, they make all sorts of probably overly expensive Velcro straps. <laughs> <laughs> See, not only did I like Nathan's uh, quick release on the Fox 36, but I, I also wore elbow pads this weekend. Ah, that's right. <laughs> so it was good times this weekend. It was that, really good. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the better times I can remember <clears throat> on a bike recently. Yes, man, it was good. It was it was a very good, very good day at uh, at Snow Summit. Well, and I definitely noticed that it had a subtle impact on my riding for the next few rides. I, I felt like. I was kind of naturally keeping my hips a little further forward and attacking turns a little harder and, and just generally my eye for the trail 
was a little bit adapted towards a more aggressive downhilling style just from that day of that style of riding. I would have to agree with that for sure. It's a, you know, it's so rare, I think is kind of gen, you know, I'd say we're like trail style mountain bikers is to hit a trail twice in the same day or even the same week. Right. Sometimes is not that frequent. We don't session trails. Right. Downhillers do this a lot. Down. The yes. Crap out of trails. Exactly. And I really enjoy that process of, of really kind of getting a trail wired and, and, and learning every little turn and adding a little bit of speed to this turn on one run and then keeping that and then adding another piece on another run. And I, I really do enjoy that, that process of, of kind of working on a trail, working, yeah. working on riding a trail. Yeah, very much so. And, and I, I felt that, felt that on, on Saturday when we rode, um, more than I have in a long time, probably cause I haven't session trails in a, in a while. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's face it, Snow Summit doesn't have a ton of trails yet. <laughs> like, there's only so many options if you stay in the park. And so you, it kind of almost, I mean, what we did close to 10 runs. Yep. And it, uh, it forces you to do some repeats, even if you don't want to. You're going to get some reps. <laughs> yeah, and a huge thanks to Nathan for leading me into a couple of nice uh, big doubles. Oh, uh, yeah. Well. I was trying to get up the get up the wheel to hit and and so um we took a little bit pa- little pause on a on a bridge that kind of drops you into a big nice berm right hand berm into a set of doubles it was um, very fun yeah those those are two i mean they're kind of like medium sized doubles and they're but they're two of the best ones there i think they're they're really fun to hit in succession completely and agree. even though they're kind of doubles the landing is more of a roller. It's not like a high consequence. I mean, no, it, it's, no, a right, big, it's a, it's so. a biggest jump. Like there's going to be a consequence for crashing, but you might not crash just because you case it. Right. right. Where like some of yeah. the smaller doubles that we're hitting today, like those are doubles. Like there's a hole in between. Them. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. So. Like if you front wheel case that, you're done. Yep. It's a little different thing. I yep. did, actually did that today. <laughs> well, you're was, not done. Maybe I'm not I'm done. It was it was it was near it was near <laughs> it was nearly done. Yeah, I can clearly see that you're not done. But the next time down, I made sure not to front wheel case that. <laughs> yeah, that was some some good writing today. You think any yeah. of our listeners don't know what casing is? Yeah. So what is casing? Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a term that comes from motorcycles, and it's if you land um, on. Kind of, if you land on a landing of a jump where the the peak of the landing is in between your wheels and it hits your engine case, right? They'd call it casing a jump because you'd be landing on your engine case, and uh, it's usually a pretty good way to crash. Case yeah. a jump. Yep, yep, yeah. So you can you know case it. Even worse, maybe not even get that front wheel. So over. I guess the original meaning of casing is what's also known as fifty-fifty, where you yeah. land with one, right. you land with your front wheel over the landing and your rear wheel behind the landing. But there's become this kind of like common usage where it's any form of coming up short, yeah. right? Yeah, very much so. But at Big Bear, it is interesting. At Big Bear, there's not a lot of places where if you case even some of the big, big jumps, that it's gonna. It could make for, it could make for a rough landing. It could make for an out of control situation, but it's not an automatic trip to the ground. Exactly. Right. There's not a lot of pure doubles there. In, Most of them are, are tabletops. In fact, my right. advice to someone who's going to Big Bear for the first time and isn't real comfortable on jumps is ride it at a medium speed and just ride off them. Don't get forward. Don't get back. 
Don't try to boost. Don't try to bunny hop. Don't try to pump the face. Just center yourself over your bottom bracket. Look at the landing and just ride off of it and, and, and let it happen. And, and then, and then you can start working on, you know, preloading into the, into the transition and getting more air or going faster and trying to make it to the landing or doing sick whips. <laughs> but I think the most common beginner jumper mistake is to try to, is to try to put too much input into the jump or to try to, or to become defensive. And I think that if, if you really do just relax and center yourself over the bike and just simply ride off the jump without trying to give your bike any input, you'll have a nice safe outcome. Yeah. Agreed. And, and the other thing I would say is, you know, when it comes to jumping, um, a lot of reps. So like, let's say you have a tabletop kind of work it slowly. If you're shorting it, just kind of a little plop in the beginning. Don't, don't rush jumping. You will know when it's time to start hitting jumps right. and it'll feel comfortable. It'll feel natural. If it feels really uncomfortable and you're starting to get some major air and you're just, you're not, you don't totally understand why you're making it. Right. Slow it down. Slow, <laughs> you know, like all I would say is let the jumping come naturally. Yeah. Make the first one of you jump a foot across the top of the tabletop and ride the rest of the 20 feet. And yeah. then you go two feet and then go three feet and see where you get from there. So oddly enough today when we were at the motocross track, um, I was with a, a friend who is much more experienced riding and racing motocross. Um, he's been doing it his whole life, you know, very comfortable with it. Um, races frequently. And, uh, we were we were sitting doing doing something at the truck, and this guy came up to us and said, "I forgot what he was basically asking about jumping." And and my buddies, instead of answering his specific question about jumping, his comment was, and I don't know if this totally equates to mountain biking. Um, it it might a little bit, but anyway, what he said was. Um, uh sorry just checking a level really quick okay what uh what he said was um jumping is the last thing you you piece together and by the time you're ready it'll start to come naturally is you learn to corner right you learn to take whoops right you learn to take rough stuff right you learn you get everything else dialed in and the jumping comes last because that's the highest consequence activity and it's the thing you need to be the most smooth comfortable um adaptable for um, and it's the thing where things can go wrong the most. So, uh, you know, they say corner for dough, jump for show. Um, <laughs> so uh, all I would say is I think the overriding theme is don't rush learning to jump. I agree. And that being, uh, that being said, if there's one like tip for beginning jumpers, other than what I said before, the, the mistake that I made a lot when I was learning to jump and that I see a lot of beginning jumpers making is trying to kind of jump off of the lip and not understanding that most of that boost takes place in the beginning and middle of the transition. Right. So you're not, you don't want to try to bunny hop, say off the top of the lip, yeah. which is kind of what I was trying to do when I was first learning to jump. And yeah. I think I see a lot of beginning jumpers taking that approach, jerking the bars at the, at the lip. You, yeah. You don't want to be giving the bike input at the lip unless it's to be part of your trick. Yeah. Like any sort of boost that you're going to get is taking place in where, where you're, where you're loading the bike up into the transition and, and that's happening way before the lip. Yeah. That's a great point. That's yeah. a great point. Agreed. So listener questions or do we want, we got other stuff before, do we want to uh, talk about any other new stuff or 
there there was one thing I just wanted to to mention. Um, uh, just kind of a little little plug out there. Um, there's there's a Kickstarter running right now, uh, and the company is called uh, Fix Manufacturing, and uh, the founder uh, is Tony Zentel, and he's uh, from Laguna Beach, and a uh, good friend of mine, and he's starting a, a little company, and they make uh, multi-tools, and uh, he's making specific multi-tools for kind of more of the action sports, so it's surf, skate, and snow, and uh, it's a little tool, and it, it it interfaces with um, a belt buckle, and you can get a belt, and then the tool snaps into the belt buckle. I thought it was kind of cool. He's a friend of mine. Just wanted to throw it out there. If anybody finds that product um, interesting, check out his Kickstarter page. I think if you just Google uh, "fix manufacturing" and uh, uh, it'll pop up. It's on. It's running on Kickstarter now. Um, I think it's really close to being fully funded, um, but pretty cool product, and um, especially like. Okay, let, you know, let's admit this isn't for the cross country racer, but maybe since we were talking about going to the park, running minimal stuff, um, you know, a lot of the downhill shorts do have belt loops on them. A lot of the, lot of the kids are running jeans, and or dick, you guys like to run dicky shorts sometimes. Um, you know, it might be a cool thing for for something like that. So if if it sounds interesting, check it out. And uh, super solid dude, and it's a it's a cool little company that's just starting up, and just wanted to pitch that. I re- I'm interested. Yeah, totally. I read that. Uh, I think there was a bike rumor uh, article on that, um, on that Kickstarter, and <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, I could, I could use that so often because I've got a couple pairs of mountain bike shorts that I actually do need to wear belts with, and having that tool there. Do you but, guys? Uh, uh, kind of a bad segue, but do you guys know how to use Amazon in a way where you support mountain bike radio? Have you guys heard about that? I I haven't. I know I I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this more and I'm gonna get back to you guys at the next show. I heard um, I heard Ben talking about it on some of the other shows and some other people talking about it on some of the other mountain bike radio shows. And I I've got to remember to look into this and start making sure all my Amazon purchases support mountain bike radio. Yeah, and sorry, just to loop back to fix manufacturing. I just verified it on Google. If you Google fix MFG, so fix space MFG. And then put Kickstarter. So fix MFG Kickstarter. Google that. It'll pop right up. That'll be your first result. And it's his uh, his Kickstarter campaign. Who knows? Maybe you could be part of the uh, a founding partner through Kickstarter of the next big thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because I was asked twice on, on up at Big Bear for my tool. Oh, that's right. That I had handy in my... That's disgusting. <laughs> I was asked twice. Everybody was asking him to whip out his Can tool. You whip out your, did you have that tool handy? <laughs> you whip out that tool? I exactly. To... <laughs> it, it was always handy, yes, in my not-cool-kid panty pack. <laughs> um, I, I, I told Tony, I uh, I was actually... He, he sent out the Kickstarter notification to friends and family, and I would heard... I knew he was starting this, so I think I was actually his first backer. So I was pretty stoked. Nice. I was like, first. Backer number one. Um, but I told him, I, I can't wait wait to reach for my belt buckle and whip out my tool. <laughs> <laughs> that should be his slogan. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so anyway, that was that was one thing I just wanted to, uh, that I had on my kind of list here. Oh, the shop is going to start stocking from high above fanny packs that are Really cool. Ooh, they are. Rum High Above is the brand. Yeah. That's the one I showed you today. Uh, made in the Brian, USA. Brian ordered a couple of them. They're made in the USA, Bellingham, Washington. 
Um, I might have to go check that out. They're made with that uh, Dimension Polyant X-Pack material, which is the sailcloth, which you see in a lot of high-end bags. I think like the Relevate bags have those. Right. It's it's really. Man, cool. I think if you nuked Bellingham and 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 Santa Cruz, the the in like the gravity scene would lose all its American cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> if ISIS only knew, you know, they always try to. ISIS they, could destroy uh, the, the scene of Dickies <laughs> and mountain biking. <laughs> Stay away from Bellingham, ISIS. <laughs> American-made packs. Yeah. Um, did you get yours from the shop, or did you did you have that actually shipped down from Bellingham? I well, it, they weren't quite carried at the shop yet, and he was only doing direct stuff. So I ordered mine right. a while ago. Yeah, right. I think we're expecting our first shipment next week. Yeah, he. I think he just started to actually distribute them and sell them to shops. But um, I think it's. I mean, it's a super simple fanny pack. But it's got a really nice zipper, and it's made in the USA, and it's cool. Well, and it stays in position really well, from what I can tell. It, it doesn't does. seem to want to bounce around, which is a good quality in a fanny. Yeah, pack. that is true. I've ridden it about I don't know four times, and been been pretty happy with it. The zipper, like the the zippery specs on it, it just it's super smooth. Because like on right. a fanny pack, if you grab it and pull it, yeah, it will unzip. You don't have to hold the opposing side right. of it and pull and zip. Which yep. do you know what fanny nice. means over in like I think the UK and such? Uh, no, I don't. We have some listeners over there, and I think every time we say fanny, they're they're snickering. Oh, uh, I think they call them bum bags, right? Right, because your fanny is um, between your legs if you're a woman. okay so this well we'll just it's a waste bag it's a waste bag (laughs) it's a a bum bag a bum bag maybe that's i'm gonna start calling it that no it's a bum bag bum bag (laughs) (laughs) nice sorry uk listeners (laughs) snicker snicker yeah um I'm just looking at my list if there's anything else before we get into some listener questions. Oh, I don't know if I mentioned, I had mentioned I was trying the Rocket Rons for oh, yeah, you XC did. Racing. You did. I, I, I did like them a lot. And oddly enough, uh, one of the, a listener of ours, I think he runs a bike shop in the Pacific Northwest. They did uh, oh, a shootout yeah. and loose over hard packed terrain. And oddly enough, they did a, a really f- nice formal test, a bunch of tires. And uh, the Rocket Ron... He, after he heard us talk talking about the rocket runs, he said, "Yeah, that one got one of the best That's right. feedbacks on their uh, on their test." I think he was nice enough to send us the link as well. Yeah, um, we yeah, go- maybe we'll send it to Ben and try to get that link in the uh, in the show notes. Can we go back to the fanny bag? I mean the um, the bum bag, the bum uh, bag. snicker hip sacker, hip sack, hip sack, waist, waist belt. sack, whatever. <laughs> Hold your tool securely, <laughs> <laughs> but the zipper has smooth action. Yes. So. You know, I noticed on the on the bum bag uh, that you that you just got there, it's got that nice two inch. Uh, it's either one and a half or two inch webbing. Uh huh. Um, that is one thing I I had to take. Um, I have a, another bum bag, and it came with a little one inch. Oh, okay. Uh, the one inch belt, and I I cut that thing off and put a two inch belt on it. Ah, okay. And it does make a world of a difference as far as it flopping around. Yeah. So this one doesn't seem to be too bad. The the waist belt was a little on the small side. I think it is inch and a half, mm-hmm. but the width of the pack itself is right. pretty wide. Yeah. So that that seemed to help. Um but oh, yeah, I've been stoked with it. I'm I just I'm I'm a super sucker for anything made with with X-Pack material with that sailcloth 
material, like anything that's made with that, oh, I, I want it. And it's, it's like made carbon. Of, it is. Right. It's like it's it's the fabric version of carbon fiber. <laughs> Although there actually is a fabric carbon fiber out there, but that's a different story. <laughs> and it's made in the USA, which actually I think Dimension Polyant's a German company. Oh, interesting. Because everything cool comes from Germany. Oh. But the pack itself is made in the US. The pack itself is made in Bellingham. Yep, I yep. imagine it's some dude. And that's a huge it's a dude yep. making them. And Nathan's a huge sucker for that as well. Uh, it's not I, a sucker. I mean, that's just a. It's I'm kind a of, sucker. It's kind of cool. Yes, <laughs> Ma- made in the USA, super premium, earthy mountain bike stuff. Yeah. Yes, I'll buy it. <laughs> give me two. I need them in multiple colors. Awesome, awesome. I give Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are just gray shorts, but they're very expensive, and they're made in the USA. <laughs> Um, listener questions listener listener questions questions. all right so we've got steven he's a big fan of the show and he wants to know if he's going to get smoked if he brings his enduro bike it's a specialized enduro comp 27 and a half in a novice cross-country race um i think this guy might be a moto guy he feels like he does pretty well climbing versus his friends who are in good shape and who ride cross-country trail bikes It'll be his first race, um, and he can't find any novice enduro races around there, so he's going to do a cross-country race instead. Um, I have seen specialized enduros at local cross-country races, and the riders seem to be having fun. I don't yep. think that they won any like expert categories or anything, but... Um, I'd say go race your enduro at a cross country race and have heck, fun. Heck yeah, especially if you're gonna, you know, race that the novice or, or beginner class should should be a yeah. lot of fun. Although I think in Colorado there's a lot of fit people out there, so it'll be a Yeah, and it's also it's mostly the rider still. I mean, I think about like me on a real legit cross country bike versus me on an enduro at our local cross country race and um I'm gonna lose either way. <laughs> but you're well, probably- <laughs> and if you can afford it get some lightweight xc t- race tires on it Slow- for sure you know if 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 you want to invest that much i mean depending on what size it is if it's 26 you can probably find some xc race tires really cheap yeah yep. that's true i think it's, it's running not the- as 27 and a half but still okay maybe, maybe your shop has takeoffs right yeah slap some lightweight tires on it and that'll make a huge difference um uh side note one of the uh, old path employee who is a local ripper luke he raced expert xc over the hump on a kona process 111 i think he did pretty good well and that's the perfect counterpoint is you know i would lose either on either bike and luke would win on either bike. <laughs> so like i say it's mostly the rider yeah. i want to i want to like i want to point out an awesome line this guy in, in his question he closes his question with you know he wants to race and I can't find any novice enduro races around here in Colorado. And I just want to race some fools. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's pretty awesome. We we like your style. Exactly. Well, and and get out there and just see if the race scene is for you. If you like it, if you want to, if, if that's your thing, you know, if you've got a bike and you've got a helmet, go race, go race, try it, try it out. And you're, it, understand it's going to be a learning process. You're not going to be dialed in with all the best XC gear, but maybe you do it a few times. You're like, hey, this is really for me. And then maybe that's the point when you decide to invest um, in an XC race bike and more XC apparel and shoes, helmet, all that, you know, the whole 
XC race head to toe. And and I think our listeners regalia. could learn something from Steven. Yeah. I mean, if you don't just want to race some fools, you got to ask yourself why. Right. What's wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go race some fools. So, and I think Nathan brought up a good point too. I mean, you, you know, if you felt sluggish on, you know, in this first race, okay, you know, for the price of a couple lightweight tires, it's going to make a pretty noticeable difference uh, on on your bike, and if not difference in places difference in feel of of the bike and so like for the cost of a couple tires it's not cheap but for the cost of a couple tires it might help that experience a little bit more as well right and maybe you go do an xc race and you're like this is not for me i need to find some enduro races (laughs) i'm gonna save that cost of a couple a couple xc tires yeah so yeah try it out see if it's for you um have a good time. Have some fun. Race some foals. <laughs> so next question. Sure. Yep. Okay. So Alan, he says, when we discussed the new tall boy, he's wondering if we could compare it to the process 111. He noticed that their geos are similar, but his guess is that the Santa Cruz will market the tall boy as a trail XC, whereas the Kona has been seen as a rowdy short travel bike. Um, he wants to know if we see any other attributes in suspension design, et cetera, that will have the bikes performing a lot differently. Um, I think it's a good question. Yeah. I've ridden both. I just, I just had my second ride on my new Tallboy 3. Um, I think it's an apt comparison. I mean, a lot of similarities. They both have 68-degree head angles. They both have basically 110 millimeters of rear travel. <laughs> right, <laughs> yep. Um Although one twenty forks, I'd like to get that extra millimeter. <laughs> I'm um, just feeling that millimeter. <laughs> one twenty forks. Um, they scratch a very similar itch. I, the the tall boy being available in carbon might be the single biggest difference. I don't know. What do yeah. you guys think? I I would. I mean, I haven't. I had a process one eleven for a while. I haven't ridden the new tall boy, but yeah, knowing what I know about geometry and. And the numbers, I think, yeah, I think the mentality of the companies, I think the men, they, they came at it from different directions, right? Like Kona came at it from dialing down an enduro bike to this aggressive 29er platform, basically blending that whole, like, uh, that whole process line. And then this one filling that space. Whereas, um, Santa Cruz has been coming at it from the more XC trail side, but I, I literally think they're basically, Toe to toe at the same center court line. Do you if, guys if know you offhand yeah. what the chain stake length comparison is? I think Kona's shortest in class. I think right. it's a sixteen seven. Barbarian right. so, unit. Sorry, that's like <laughs> shooting from get, guessing. That's probably one of the biggest differences is chain stay length and frame weight and frame weight. Frame weight, chain stay length. If I remember correctly, Nathan was trying to build that, um, get that process one eleven. Like down to closer to cross country raceable. I I was not I was not giving the proper appreciation and respect to the XC race environment. I wanted an aggressive bike that I could race XC on, yeah, and it just yeah. it didn't quite work. But as an aggressive short travel trail bike, that bike was awesome. It but was I, really fun. I think you've really got to work to get that bike under thirty pounds. 
Yes. So and with so real tires. With real tire, yeah. With real tires. I mean, it's probably easy with with tires that you wouldn't want to run on that bike. Yeah, I think Credit. I think I got mine to like twenty nine with okay tires, but I had like crest. I think I had I think I had arch wheels stands complete arch wheels which aren't a whole lot heavier than crest you know a little bit maybe a hundred grams right um, next SL cranks but I had like a dropper post and but that bike doesn't belong without a dropper post right it really exactly doesn't. there's exactly. no way it does um, so the chainstay length on the Tallboy three is 432 millimeters which is 17.01 inches i think the the process 111 was 425 i i think uh, on that metric that's a win for the process i will yeah. say i mean for, um that tall boy is really confidence inspiring yeah um i would say head and shoulders more stable at speed than my 5010 wow wow um there are a couple little tight turns where it felt a little bunched up compared to the 5010, but I would say descending overall, I feel like I want to go faster on the tall boy. Yep. That, I mean, that's a common response to a lot of 29er wheel sizes, but this one's a really progressive geometry. And the front wheel tracks so well on 29. <laughs> there, you know, Jim McNeil once explained it by putting his hand in front of him and making a kind of a shaky motion. And, and I really feel like that just sums it up. Like bigger wheels just do so much of that kind of twitchy, shaky, destabilizing behavior. You mean small, smaller mitigates. wheels are more, or the bigger wheels mitigate, mitigate. the yeah. right. Bigger wheels are more stable. Smaller right. wheels are more twitchy. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Definitely. So yeah. That, that I might tall be selling boy. my 50 10 soon. We'll see. I'm going to ride it a couple more times. Maybe we got to try and ride it when the trail gets a little rowdier, steeper, rowdier. Yeah. I mean, I rode a moderately steep, rowdy trail on the Tallboy uh, yesterday, yeah. and I felt really good. That's true. But my theory, and, and if we go much past there, I, I that trail's already pushing the 5010 to me. So <coughs> I, I don't know. I think. I think anything that feels past the fifty, past the tall boy on rowdiness and steepness probably is going to feel equally past, past the, the fifty ten. That's true. It's very possible. How far into this podcast are we? Uh, we're an hour ten. Okay. Should we tackle some more questions? I, we could. I don't have one queued up. We could call it an evening. We could. Um, let's see. I was wondering if there's anything else on my list we wanted to cover. Cause this might be the last time that we maybe we should try and get one more podcast in before you leave for TV. Yeah. Yeah. Cause two weeks from now you'll be traveling. I will be traveling. It's going to, it's going to get a little, it is creeping up fast. I'm not too worried. Oh, I did want to up. I remember there was one listener that was asking about the insurance deal for traveling, right, right. and the recommendation I made was to get the Bupa insurance from Good Neighbor Insurance in Arizona. I called to, I was like, oh, hey, I, I, it's time to get the insurance. Um, Bupa no longer offers insurance to Americans. I was like, ugh, 
very frustrated. Anyway, they, they worked out some other insurance. It's like some Patriot travel plan now. Um, but the good neighbor insurance people, they're in like Gilbert, Arizona. They were super helpful. Again, they're, they're just an insurance, like a travel insurance broker that seemed to understand this kind of stuff. And so that, that seemed to work out. So Bupa, my last recommendation a few shows ago about getting that Bupa travel insurance, can't get it for Americans anymore. That's a bummer, but glad you found something. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was a little stressful. I think uh, uh, the guy could hear the exasperation. I was like, really? Because it took me like two months to find them last year. Oh, man. But at least the the broker was... the. It took me a long time to find the broker. Yeah, right, right. But then um, they, they've been super helpful. And yeah, some little town in Arizona that just deals with travel insurance. I found a new question I think we should answer tonight. It's an old okay. one from March, and I think... It's, it's a quick one that we can answer with a good answer. Okay. So this is Steven. He's from Colorado. And um, part of the reason we want I want to answer it is because he points out that on one of our other episodes, we almost answered his question. He even said his name but didn't get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we apologize. We're, our organization on our questions is improving. It's not perfect. It's right. improving. So um, – Steven, um, Steven needs to upgrade to one by, um, cause his front derailleur makes him upset when he looks at it, which I can relate to <laughs> your front, your front derailleur makes me upset when I look at it too, everybody. <laughs> he has a, he has a 2015 Trek Rabbity 9.9 with 9.8 build due to a warranty deal. Then it has Shimano XT two by 10. What's the next best move for a new drivetrain? So I would say the best move for a new drivetrain as far as like value per dollar is Shimano XT 11 speed. Yes. Cause you don't have to change the, dri- the hub driver, get a narrow wide ring for your cranks. If you can push a 32 or bigger, you're fine with the cranks you have. Um, XT cassette, 11 speed KMC, $32 chain, XT 11 speed shifter. And, um, an XT 11 speed derailleur, Full MSRP on all that stuff's maybe four hundred bucks tops, if even yeah. that. It's not even. It's not that. It's like three hundred and something. Yeah. And um, if you want to go the next step from there, maybe get some race face cranks with cinch direct mount ring, or yeah. or SRAM cranks with a direct mount ring, so that you can run more ring options and ditch the chain ring bolts. Uh, yeah, and I was gonna say if you if he does want to stick with the the XT two by crank, get the I think it's a sixty four BCD on the inside. So get absolute black makes I think up to like a thirty or maybe even thirty two that mounts that inner position, which gives you a better chain line. I I think on the um, on the eleven speed cassette and um, so check those. You can get a chain ring that's going to mount on the 104 or the 64. Get the one that mounts on the 64, and then maybe throw a bash ring on the 104 position. Mm. That that would be my recommendation. Yeah, okay. that's a great that's a great move, especially if you're running like a 29. If you're riding a 29er, um, and you've like got, a, yeah, 28 is a nice choice. 28, or if it gets really steep, a 26. Uh, yeah, I think. I think Josh was running a 26 for some of our local riding. Yep. On my Process 111, I had a 26 for steep local riding. Yeah. So that's my bang for the buck upgrade suggestion. If you've got the money, 
I really like this. I like the ten tooth, and I like the lighter weight cassette, and I like the banging shifting that comes with the SRAM X01. Yep. So you could you, you're gonna the, the benefits of spending a whole lot more money. Um, crisper shifting, ten tooth cog, lighter cassette, and I like the ergonomics of the shifter on the SRAM better myself. Mm-hmm. Um. But you're going to spend a hundred bucks just on a new driver, assuming your wheels take a new driver, and then yep. and then you're going to buy a, th- you're going to spend uh, an XT upgrade on uh, uh, worth of money on just the cassette. Gonna, I mean, <laughs> you the could. cassette's three four hundred bucks. You could get the GX. I think the, the GX one is but like then it's like the same weight as an XT. That's it's, true. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it's, but it's you not, do, but it's close enough that now you're. You but know. you do only, get the yeah. ten tooth. You get the ten instead of the eleven. Right. So, one really good option for someone who's only got a few hundred bucks: Shimano XT with a KMC thirty dollar eleven speed chain, and a good option for someone in the more money is no option group. And that person probably should get some new MV wheels while they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get that KMC and some chain? Next SL cranks? Yes. The new next SL cranks. Very much Hot. so. Not, now you're going to knock some real weight off your bike. <laughs> um, does that KMC chain come in gold? Uh, yeah, for about 100 bucks. Oh, the, 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 the gold one's $100? The, go, the, the <laughs> Thai nitrate gold KMC 11 speed chain is very expensive. But if you go but it's X, gold. If, and if you but if you're going to go from Color XT, gold. you're going to the X01, you know, maybe but you make that jump too. Uh, After you save up for the envy wheels, maybe. Exactly. A hundred dollar gold chain. Oof. Bling bling. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta let that percolate. That's maybe we should close the show <laughs> on these words. A hundred dollar gold chain. <laughs> Can I? Mr. T would be happy. He, he would, because he just wants to race some fools with a $100 gold chain. I want to race some fools. Oh, man. All right. Thank you for that listener question that and comment. Awesome. Yeah, that was the best one. Uh, with that, uh, thank you for listening. Remember, hashtag the Path Podcast um, on Instagram. Remember to email us questions. And when you come in the shop and you've listening to the show and enjoying it let the let the shop know and uh, don't forget about the mention the podcast in june 25% off anything path labeled apparel fantastic cool and with that have a good evening have a good evening good night all good night I got guns in my-